Welcome to the It's Going to Be Good podcast sponsored by Accrue. This is the place where Jill and I talk about how to build your accounting firm in a way that is healthy and sustainable so that you can focus on doing meaningful work with exceptional people. And this week, I'm just so pumped because we have a leadership retreat this mm-hmm. this coming week. Jill, how pumped are you? I'm so amped. I just love when we are actually able to get together and collaborate about ideas. Um, it is all the better when we're in person and I get both of those this time. It's so exciting. Well, and you planned like food and dinners and like time to like collaborate, which is the best. And then also time to take breaks or whatever. Um, or whatever, but- <laughs> yeah. I guess people need those or something. <laughs> yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I'm sure it, by the time this episode airs, we will have already taken our leadership retreat. And and I'm sure in future episodes, we'll we'll talk about them. But it definitely makes it like a fun and kind of strange week to, to see you here. And then in a couple of days, get to see your face with my face in person in the same space (laughs) Ooh, that rhymes nailed it face with your your face face in the same space all over the place we're gonna keep (laughs) we've gotten very dr susian on this on this topic because we're just so excited uh like totally normal people being super Mm -hmm. normal about it nothing's weird Um, here Well, today we're going to talk about a topic that I think is super helpful. I mean, this is something we talk about all the time internally and and help equip our team members. Um, And when I was out uh, with my band of bookkeepers at dinner, um, I was sharing a little bit about what we do, and it was specifically requested that we do a podcast about this topic. So by special request, we are going to talk about owning mistakes in a way that builds trust. Yeah. It is one of the things that I think is so under discussed and there is so little training and development and even systems around how to do this well. But the reality is that mistakes are absolutely inevitable. Like we will absolutely make them. The people that we work with and for will make them. The people who work for us will make them. Like it is, it mm-hmm. is just a part of being human. And so the idea that we wouldn't spend time thinking about how we deal with it when they do happen, because it's when it's not if, um, is just a little bit surprising to me. So I think one of the things I I really like about what we talk about in this is that we're looking for a practical solution to a problem and we're staying focused on the problem and the solution and and keeping it kind of neutral about the humans involved because we don't want people to feel worse than they already do and you still kind of have to take responsibility for your action or inaction. So it's a complicated topic and it can be so like, there can be so many ways that you have to actually do this, that it's hard to conceptualize a way to do it that would translate across circumstances. But I think we found a pretty good system for it. So I'm really excited to to share it with, uh, with everyone on the podcast today. Um, no one is perfect. We will absolutely make mistakes and how you actually respond when that happens makes a huge difference. And one of the reasons why we're talking about trust in this context is because in a highly technical field like accounting is when you make a mistake, it can immediately feel like it's going to absolutely erode trust. And it can if you handle it poorly, but if you handle it well, it has the potential to actually 
build onto the trust that you've already built with your clients. So I think it's a really powerful um, idea that we're going to talk about today. And I think it'll make a huge difference for a lot of people. I know it's made a huge difference for our team. They, they know how to handle mistakes when they come up and it neutralizes so much of the feeling around it. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this because it's just human and it actually does make me feel so much better knowing exactly how to approach this when it comes up because you're thrown into chaos when that happens. Like your your brain can't quite focus on solutions in the same way when you're in conflict and this always feels like conflict. So yes. taking all that human emotion out of it and making a system for it makes a big difference for that too. I think that's such an interesting point that mistakes always feel like conflict. Whether it's conflict with a client or with a team member or just conflict with yourself, like, dang mm-hmm. it, be better. That's it, real. It, it always feels like conflict. And I think especially mm-hmm. as accountants, we highly value being competent. We actually all over stuff and we want to seem like the smartest person in the room who knows all the things and knows how to do all the things. And so anything that comes up that makes us not feel competent or makes us feel like we don't look as competent, we tend to not always respond to that in the most helpful way. We tend to kind of knee jerk towards wanting to defend ourselves or, you know, wanting to minimize, or we do kind of a lot of unhelpful first responses because it feels like a threat to who we are as technical professionals to have mistakes pointed out because we want to be the kind of people that are so competent that we never make mistakes somehow, Mm -hmm. even though that's not possible. We somehow think we're the exception to the mistake rule. Yes. That we're so smart and capable that we never will make mistakes. And so it feels like a gut punch to realize that you have made one because so much of what we do, so much of the compliance is about reconciling and validating and checking and double checking. So when something slips through, it's like, no. Uh, it feels like the end of the world. Um, and so sometimes we act like it's the end of the world, which isn't really that helpful in dealing with what may be a big deal and what may be a little deal. And we need to kind of evaluate what happened. So one of the things we'll definitely talk about is ways to separate the issue itself from your identity or your perceived identity, because a mistake is not you as a person and you as a person are definitely not a mistake. And <laughs> yes. Yes. If if nothing else from this, I hope you take away you are not a mistake. It is hard to parse those uh when you're talking about an issue and not take it personally. Similar to, you know, we talked a bit about like coming up with ideas and those ideas not being who you are as a person. So if someone pokes holes in your ideas or, you know, evaluates it, that's not saying you're terrible at ideas in the same way as making a mistake isn't saying you're a terrible technician. It's saying you're a human technician. Sorry about that. Turns out human (laughs) mistakes, it's going to happen. But the way that we communicate about them, uh, like you said, it it either builds or erodes trust. It's really about the way that we respond to the inevitability of mistakes. Now, if it's the same mistake over and over all the time, especially if it's, you know, like 
well, you, uh, but if it's, you know, a team <laughs> member or someone else, there may be a question of competence. So I, I don't want to minimize the idea that like, it's fine to make mistakes <laughs> or, yeah, or um, no, like, I, I don't want to act like casual about that. Well, everyone makes mistakes. Like if someone's making the same mistake continually and we need to deal with like a, an actual training or competence issue, let's do that. But we're really going to focus on the a mistake, a, the first time this mistake happened, and how do we respond to that mistake? If it's multiple times, you may respond differently to that. But this kind of time uh, where it's, you know, it's that first time. And I think that the biggest thing that we need to ensure that we are doing when a mistake happens is that we are owning it. So, mm, yeah, Joan, how do you not own a mistake? That's a great question, Anna. <laughs> there are so many ways to not do this well. Um, I think one of the worst ways that you can handle that is just silence. I think just not responding, not addressing it is so easy in the moment to think uh, of as a viable option, but it immediately erodes that trust and continues to erode it until you can't actually do anything to recover it. That silence feels like the easiest option in the moment. And the longer that silence goes on, the worse that option actually affects you. So I, I think saying nothing is is one of the absolute worst things that you can do when you make a mistake. I just cannot hit that home enough because it is so tempting to just ignore it, to just not deal with it. And it really does immediately start to make people question whether or not you're capable of doing the thing that, that you've promised to do. Um, I think also covering it up is really a tough one. I think we're ten tempted to do this often when it's someone else's mistake, like one of our employees makes a mistake and we want to like cover for them. But I think that tends toward uh, like ruinous empathy uh, to use a, a phrase from um, radical candor, radical I candor. Got you. <laughs> Thanks man. <laughs> from radical candor. I, I think that ruinous empathy that is being nice and not kind to your employee, because the best thing that we can do when we make a mistake is one, know it and two, address it and fix it. So that it's the last time that it's made. But when you cover it up for yourself or for other people, it reduces that friction that forces the change that forces the the process fix or whatever needs to get adjusted so that that mistake doesn't happen again if you just cover it up or just hide it it really removes the impetus to actually make a change in your company and and just keeps you wide open to the risk of continuing to make that exact same mistake and i think when you sweep it under the rug certain business owners, maybe not all, but many business owners will see that and they will start to question whether you're doing more of that in other areas, you know, right. like I think assumptions that, you know, we're the vendor for our clients. And I think the way that we operate with them, the assumption is always, we should assume that their assumption is they can generalize this. So if the way that we work with you is all you know about us, you're going to assume that that covering up is happening much more broadly, which is an accountant's worst nightmare. You don't right. want to be seen as covering stuff up. 
One of the other ways that I think uh, this tends to go pretty poorly is when you're defensive, and that can manifest in a lot of different ways. I think um, sometimes it's like over-justifying or over-explaining what happened. I think it can be minimizing the mistake or acting like fixing it is no big deal. Uh, I, I can think of a few examples uh, from the last few years where someone was like, oh yeah, no, no worries, we got that handled, which feels very much like the right response because you're you're putting them at ease. But without thinking about that business owner's experience and what is actually causing them stress, that, you know, minimizing tends to actually make that anxiety worse. It makes them worry more. And so if there is a real problem, minimizing it or or acting like fixing it is no problem, will start to make your clients question whether they understand what's happening, whether they can actually get what they need, or whether you're actually paying attention to what's happening in their books. And then I think it's it's so easy to want to blame other people, to want to blame, you know, their other accounting. You know, if you, if you don't do their taxes, it's the tax firm. Or if you do do their taxes, oh, that's the bookkeeping firm. You want to blame the other guy. You want to blame the client. Well, your admin went in and made all these adjustments, and this is the problem. But anytime you make someone look bad, anyone with any amount of discernment is going to flag, that's going to flag on their radar that maybe we're not on the same side of the table. What happens if I make a mistake? Are you going to then be at odds with me? And I think that that blaming is just so trust eroding and so quickly. One of the, actually, there are a couple that are surprising that I've been exposed to more so because of you. I'd love for you to share those ones because you're super good at these really nuanced responses. Oh, well, thank you. I'll take that. Yeah, I I think um, apologizing when an apology is not appropriate is also a way not to own a mistake, which sounds odd because Mm -hmm. if you're owning a mistake, shouldn't you say that you're sorry? Well, it depends. (laughs) Did you do something wrong on purpose? Is there something that you ought to apologize for? If so, for sure, you should apologize. But think about it. If someone is owning a mistake and you, th- like they're just always like, oh my gosh, I'm so actually, this is, this is a super innocuous example, but we are sitting at a restaurant and, um, and the, our drinks were taking a really long time to, to come. And the server is not the bartender. Those are two different people. And so if the drink was taking a long time at the bar, like, okay, it's not actually the server's fault, but you know, they, they want to get your drinks cause they're the ones getting the tip, uh, and probably <laughs> sharing it and blah, blah, blah. Um, but we had someone come and to be fair, the, the drinks took a long time. Like it, I, really would have preferred to be drinking already. But it was like, (laughs) here we are. By the time the server brought them, she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. And and started doing the over explaining. But she apologized. Mm -hmm. I'm not even making this up at least 15 times (gasps) to where by the it was like, okay, this is over. This isn't that big of a deal. If you felt that bad about it, you could have like maybe comped one of our drinks or something. <laughs> like, like if this was so egregious, you could have done something. But you, she just kept apologizing to where it's like, now do I need to take care of you? Like I'm confused <laughs> yeah. about what we're doing here. And so sometimes 
it, you know, in that scenario, like, Hey, I'm sorry, this took a while. Like, let me go see again. Let me go see if I can count one of your drinks or let me bring you a free appetizer or like something that would kind of make that right. But she apologized so many times that I just wanted the apologies to stop <laughs> that it, it wasn't actually that helpful. Modern bookkeeping firms have a pretty robust tech stack between workflow management, communication, file storage, client apps, and of course, QuickBooks. Getting the month end close done can be a lot. Keeper wants to help you streamline the process and get it done in one place. By connecting your client's QuickBooks or Xero file to Keeper, you've got a powerful monthly review feature designed to help track inconsistencies, surface transactions that might not have gone to the right place, review for new payees or accounts, and a lot more. We use Keeper at Accrue, and I personally love being able to review the P&L and balance sheet across months by payee, so I can easily see if something is missing or if there's something we may need to ask a client about. And to be honest, I feel like we are only scratching the surface of what all Keeper can do. To learn more about why Keeper is trusted by thousands of bookkeepers and accountants like us, check out keeper.app. And hang on to your calculators, folks, because we are happily offering you 20% off your first three months with Keeper. Just use the code GOOD20. That's G-O-O-D-2-0. Can I ask a question? I'm yeah. curious if... so. Waiting on drinks is a really good and accurate example for this because <laughs> everyone can relate to it. Yes. But if she had just said, I'm so sorry, these took a long time. Here they are. Let me know if there's anything else you need. I'm going to check back in in a couple minutes, make sure you guys are covered. And she had just Great. not made a big deal about it yes. and not comped you anything, not given you anything for free. Would you still even be thinking about how long those drinks took to bring? Not, not for a second. Uh, Not for like a second. it only yep. stands out because she made it such a big deal when it yes. wasn't actually that big of a totally. deal and she kept apologizing. Now yeah. in this scenario, maybe one apology is appropriate. Yeah. Like maybe even I would accept a second, like, Oh, sorry again. Thank you guys for being cool. Again, mm -hmm. if she said some kind of like appreciation that we weren't at all upset because we are so chill. Like that also <laughs> yes. might've been a better acknowledgement than just continuing to profusely apologize, like yeah. awkwardly apologize over and over. Well, so and I think, I think one of the key points there, and this translates a hundred percent to what we're talking about here is it is a little deal. It's not yeah. the end of the world. Well, whoa, whoa. I could have already <laughs> been drinking. So. I don't know. what. Maybe it's a little Sorry. deal for you. But Timely no. drinks are a little deal for me. I, I like getting my stuff on time too. And I like getting drinks and being able to like – I think restaurants tend to like think really critically about the pacing of stuff like drinks. And so when you don't get it for a long time, it it tends to be really noticeable. Mm -hmm. But it is making a little deal into a big deal that causes you to remember the problem itself. If yes. you can just appropriately assess how big of an issue something is, you can actually get yourself to the point where you're good to go. Like you're you've just moved on and and problem solved. 
Um, yes. But, so this but is I kind of either side of the thing. It's either making it too little of a deal and minimizing it. Yeah. Or it's making it too big of a deal and like falling on your sword and profusely apologizing and like, you know, just eating all the garbage and, and feeling like you must do that to try to make it right. But the problem is that also doesn't build trust in competence. Like, so it either direction, either, either minimizing the mistake, like it's nothing or over apologizing over like owning and, Mm. and making it like, it's a huge deal when it may or may not be also erodes trust, both sides erode trust. So some of this is also just before you do anything what exactly is the mistake? Yeah. Do you actually and appropriately understand what happened and the impact of what happened? Like yes. how big of a mistake are we talking about here? Is it a transaction from last month that was categorized in one account and maybe it was more appropriately categorized in another account? And at the end of the day, it's the same total expenses. It makes absolutely no impact other than just preference and reporting. Okay, that's a very different scenario than like, we didn't pay your sales tax for you and now you have penalties and interest and yeah. you know late filing fees and like there's like real financial impact or or we didn't process your payroll and now all of your employees haven't gotten paid or like mm-hmm. we made a huge error on your tax return and now you owe way more in taxes than you totally. thought you did. What kind of a mistake are we talking about here? Because the way you respond needs to be calibrated to the size of the mistake. Don't apologize 15 times for a late drink, but Mm -hmm. also don't apologize none times for an incorrect tax return that's going to result in a (laughs) lot more taxes owed. Yeah, this is a spectrum of problems for sure. Yeah. So I think that's also the first thing is when we, when there's a mistake and especially if the client is the one who notices the mistake. So this is definitely the, when we get that question from the client, because if we notice the mistake or if someone on our team brings up the mistake, that's a different scenario of we can get out in front of something versus when a client notices a mistake. Now we feel like we're on the back foot. And so we've got to respond as soon as possible or they're going to not trust us. But sometimes we respond sooner than we ought to. We don't take the time to actually understand the scenario. And then we either do one of these two sides where we go like way over on the over explaining, over justifying, blaming others, like, or the minimizing or the falling on your sword, like all the different directions that are unhelpful in, okay, so, so taking this from the other side, like when either team members or vendors of ours have made mistakes, mm-hmm. what do you actually want to know when it comes to your attention that someone else who you were trusting to do a thing has made a mistake? Like what, what will actually reinforce trust in that person or that company versus all these other things that immediately erode that trust? There's two primary things for me. One is that it is either being handled in the process of being handled or already handled. So I just need to know that there will be a solution at some point. And I need to know that it doesn't rely on me 
or what of it relies on me. So as long as I know my piece in it and that it will happen, I'm good. If you're not communicating what you need from me or you're not communicating what you're doing, I am immediately going to start going, wait, 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 what's happening? I actually do need to know some information about what's going on. So that that's for me what immediately happens. Yeah. How about for you, Anna? Yeah, I think I think the same like I want to I want to understand what happened. I'm not mm-hmm. interested like so I I think when I get these kinds of different responses, the over apologizing, like the the falling on your sword, the blaming, the justifying, we're not getting to what happened. Yeah. You're 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 adding all these extra layers on top of what happened that are making it harder for me to get to the point of like, but what happened? Like, I don't need all of that. That's kind of distracting. And I just want to understand kind of what happened. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, or, or I think it's, it's, um, it's almost like emoting all over the problem because you yeah. have feelings about it, but like mm-hmm. the other person doesn't may have feelings about it, may not your feelings on top of that are unhelpful. Almost mm-hmm. always. Almost um, always. Yeah. We can maybe do that after. <laughs> an apology. But sure. other than that, even even with that, it shouldn't feel like, you know. It's, it's about you or that that person needs yes. to take care of you in that apology. If you start saying, I'm so sorry, I feel awful, I can't believe I did this, then that person immediately thinks, now I need to start caring for you. Or they will go, no more of that, please. <laughs> They just won't even bother. Like that, that risk, like, how are you supposed to respond? Because that turns that apology into being really about the person apologizing, not the person who is impacted by the mistake. So keeping the focus on the person who is actually impacted by the mistake makes a huge difference in this. And being able to focus on what happened and, and assessing that before you ever take any steps puts you in a much better position to appropriately respond. Yeah. Now we have a bit of a three-step process for this. Wait, before we get there. Oh yeah. 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 I want to share the other things I want to know. Um, oh yeah. Because I because I definitely want to get to the process, but but I want to know what happened, um, mm-hmm. and I want to know how it's going to be made right. Mm-hmm. How, what are we doing to fix it? What are we doing to resolve it? Like, how is this situation going to be put right? Because essentially a mistake is something happened that wasn't what we wanted, that wasn't expected, that wasn't desirable, that was not like things are not right. Okay. So if we're going to appropriately own a mistake, appropriately own the results, then how are we going to take what wasn't right and make it right? Um, and so that's really yeah. what I want to know. Like, and and how how can I trust that it is resolved and handled and that I don't need to worry about this? Like, I don't want to feel like a mistake is like festering. Like it's just yeah. sitting there unresolved or that it's my responsibility to follow up on. Like if yeah. you're going to own a mistake, you better own that that's going to get resolved and that you're going to close the loop on it because 100%. I don't want to have to follow up about whether or not you fixed your mistake. No, so I no, definitely because- that erodes trust. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that is a thing we, we have definitely experienced with vendors, um, either not, um, not doing something in the way that we agreed to, or not doing something in a timeline we agreed to, or, or, you know, in whatever way, not meeting expectations. 
and then not kind of driving forward to how it's going to be made right. And so then we have to follow up with how they were planning on resolving the thing. Um, and that is even more trust eroding. Like, I, I don't want to need to do that. The thing that you start thinking is, if I'm already doing this bit of it and following up and keeping track of this thing, should I just take over the whole part? Like, should I just take back accounting? Should I just hire someone in-house? Should I just yes. do this service? Because I feel like I already am. Whether yes. or not that's true or not, I feel like I already am. So what am I paying you for is the start. Like, that's what they start questioning. And, and I think that is why we put such a heavy emphasis on communication. Because for us, we don't want our clients to wonder where anything is at, positive or negative, where their monthly reports are at or where their tax return is at or or where the solution to a problem that maybe we caused is at. Like that is our fault and responsibility to make sure that the clients are in the know about where things are at, which is- Well, and I think this is actually one of the biggest complaints that we get with potential clients coming in that, that aren't happy with their current accounting service if they have one is this sort of thing, either not communicating at all, not having, you know, regular updates on anything. And then mm -hmm. when something happens, no communication, no ownership, it being um, approached very flippantly, like it's no big deal, no mm -hmm. explanation of what happened and how that's, you know, going to be resolved. Like it's just treated very casually and, mm -hmm. and well, that ain't how we roll. So Jill, how do we roll? It is a really fantastic system. And I think it applies like very broadly in just about any area of your life. So this is after you've taken a half step back and assessed how big of a deal is this? What's the appropriate kind of response or level of response? And then the response that you actually give to the person impacted is here is what happened. This is just facts. It's anecdotal data at best, but it is essentially just this is the details of what happened. These are the details of what happened. And it's not the feelings. It's not the emotions. It's not any of the softness around that. It's just, this is what happened. Here are the facts. And as simple as possible, because the goal is for that client to understand quickly and easily. And you got to move that right into solution as quickly as possible. So here's what we have done, or here's what we are doing is the second part of this. So here's what happened. Here's what we have done or are doing to fix this. And in this section, I think it's really important to talk about the impact to the client or the potential impact to the client um, and then talk through solutions. I love offering options to clients because when you're in a position where someone else is course correcting for a mistake, it gives a semblance of agency because you have some choice in how it's responded to. And I think clients really feel a sense of comfort when you're able to offer a few options. Okay, here's the problem. Here's what happened. Here's some of the options for how we could fix it. Let us know which one is your preference. We are happy to do X, Y, and Z. Like that actually puts clients at ease really quickly. So I think in, in, terms of like, how, here's what we're doing, or here's what we could be doing to fix it. I think that's a great way to neutralize that. And then the third piece, it's here's what happened. Here's what we've done or are doing to fix it. And then the last piece is here's what we've done to ensure that this does not happen again. Because if you don't adjust any system or any process, what is to say that that exact same thing won't just happen again? 
Mm-hmm. You can that's magical thinking to think that it won't. So what can we do to alleviate that risk or to minimize that risk? Because again, mistakes are inevitable. It's not like you can circumvent all mistakes. But when you make a mistake, it's your responsibility to make sure that that exact same mistake does not happen again. And that builds a ton of trust with clients. If you can close the loop in that way and say, here's how we fix this forever so that this doesn't happen to you and this doesn't happen to anyone else, that closing the loop goes miles for building trust with a client because then they're not worried that this problem will happen again. It's yes. amazing. <laughs> it's, yes. it's really remarkable. So I'm going to say it again because I think it's worth saying it's 15 more times until it's burned in your brain that effectively owning a mistake is three steps. Here's what happened. Here's what we have done or are doing to fix it and offering solutions if a, if a choice there is appropriate. And here's what we have done or are doing to ensure this doesn't happen again. That's it. It's and the it. great thing about <laughs> this is that there are also scenarios. And so for our team in particular, you know, we have people who are client facing who may or may not be the team member who actually does the work by owning mistakes in this way. If you're that client facing person and you weren't the one who made the mistake, mm-hmm. but you are owning it because you are the representative of our company to the client, you're not making anybody else look bad. You're yeah. just taking ownership of it. And the yep. client doesn't really care that someone looks bad. In fact, they would much prefer that no one looks bad, that the issue is being handled, and that they know it's not going to keep happening. Yes, No one is looking for someone to look like... Point the finger. The problem with falling on your sword is no one (laughs) wants someone to fall on their sword in front of them. They just want the issue handled. So I think that the three things that this really does in reinforcing trust is saying, here's what happened, reinforces that if something happens, you will say something. So that if that client pulls up the rug, they're not going to just see all the garbage you've swept under it. That when (laughs) something goes wrong, you're going to say something because you're on the same side of the table. I think that saying here's what we have done or here's what we are doing to fix it means that if something goes wrong, you are going to own making it right. So you're not going to pass the buck. You're not going to blame somebody else. You're not going to act like it's just a client's problem. Like people want to work with people who take ownership of the results like that the goal is that the thing is done well. And if that isn't what happened, how are we going to make it right so that that's where we all arrive together? And then here's what we've done to make sure it doesn't happen again means that this isn't going to keep happening, (laughs) means that you have process and systems in place to ensure that there aren't just going to be the same mistake over and over. It's like that, that saying, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Clients don't want to feel dumb. They don't want to feel like they shouldn't have trusted you and that they should have known better. They want to feel like them trusting you was a good call because you are the kind of person who is trustworthy. And this way of owning mistakes will ensure that you stay on that same side of the table, that you stay as someone that they should trust and that they're not dumb for trusting you. So the other thing in this that I think is super helpful is if you own mistakes in this way, 
you build trust with your team that you're the kind of leader who owns mistakes. If you teach your team to own mistakes in this way, they will do that with you. You will do the same thing internally and externally and the things you say and the things you believe and the things that you do will all line up, whether you're talking to a client, or whether you're communicating with one another. This way of owning mistakes is not just client facing. It is for life. It is for anything that happens in life. Just owning that you are responsible for what is on your plate and that you are going to handle it like a freaking boss. And people will want to work with you, no matter what level of the company that you're at. Owning mistakes in this way, it builds trust instead of eroding it. So with that, I, I think that if you've learned nothing else today, here's what happened. Here's what we've done or are doing to fix it. And here's what we've done or are doing to ensure it doesn't happen again. And, you and you're not a trust. mistake. And you're not a mistake, but you might make some. And here's how yes. to own it. <laughs> yes. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll keep tuning in as we share how we are building a firm worth building. It's going to be good. 